Yeah, the the takeaway for me from both these games truly doesn't worry me. We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the big sky conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Try for the North, Brave and Bold, the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined today by Martin Trombone Capone Hello. Heemstra. Martin, how are you doing? Well, in spite of the news we're going to get to, man, again, we're talking Vandal sports, so things are going well. And today, we yeah we have a couple rough outings we're going to cover from both the men's and women's basketball teams and see what those out-of-conference games we just finished might tell us about the conference season that hits week two, the weekend of New Year's. But first, a nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky cold snack donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho, supporting organizations like CW Hogs and Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow-pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get ya ass some snacks. And Martin... You know, we, we, of course, try to not live in the worst part of Vandal fandom. But this, this was just one of those weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, it just, it just wasn't our way. It just wasn't basketball, uh, University of Idaho basketball week in general. Yeah, you know what? That's one way to put it. That is one way to put it. And you are definitely not quite living up to the ray of sunshine right now, but that's okay. Uh, maybe there's no sunshine today. But, you know, to get to the games, our, our men, we're going to lead off with men's. And last week, our men played two games. Wednesday, we, we played at Washington State in the Battle of the Palouse, lost 58-61 to 61 in a game that we actually led for a decent amount uh, before an uh, 18-0 run kind of did us in. DeAndre Robinson led the way for us with 14 points on 5-8 shooting, also picked up eight rebounds. Scott Blay chipped in 12 points. Uh, but also had four turnovers and a surprising number here, zero rebounds for our starting center. And then Saturday at Cal State Bakersfield, now it's a team we beat last year. It's a team that we've actually been scheduling as home and home for the last handful of years to mixed results, which means it's a, it's not a bad setup for us. We lost at Cal Bakersfield 66 to 76. Again, DeAndre Robinson led the way for us with 13 points and two rebounds. Gabe Cornett was our second leading scorer with 11 points including going three three of five from downtown. So, Martin, before before we get into like the obvious part that we're going to have to talk about with a team that doesn't have a win yet, did, did you see anything that you thought was uh, relatively promising from our Vandals? I'd like to hit a couple positives before we have to deep dive into the worst of our world. I... I... I don't know. I, after listening to what you talk about basketball, I kind of don't see a whole lot of positives with there. So you might need to be the, the ray of sunshine for me this time for men's basketball. Okay. 
Uh, you know what? I'll see what I I'll see what I can do, man. Um, there there were now again. Spoiler alert: We lose now. Both those games were relatively close. The Cal State game was actually much was nowhere near as close as, as the score indicated. Uh, we shot well over fifty percent from three and lost by ten. Uh, so that's what kept the score respectable. Washington State was that was a game. We we definitely could have won that game. But the you know the bit, first positive I'm gonna I'm gonna say. After watching DeAndre Robinson uh, transfer from Tallahassee Community College, played D2 before uh, Community College, after watching him at Sac State, where I honestly thought, you know, he doesn't he doesn't look like an all big sky player, but he's a he's a really solid role player. One of the things I talked about last week is really hoping he was in the starting lineup, and lo and behold, DeAndre Robinson, our leading scorer now and leading rebounder, was moved into the starting lineup. That's I mean, to me, that's kind of a brain dead positive that the guy who, to me, looks like our best player, he came off the bench the first two games. The COVID season's kind of weird. You know, players who weren't with us last year, it's not shocking that it might take a little bit of game time to see exactly who's going to translate the most. But uh, DeAndre Robinson moving in to the starting lineup, I thought that was, that was a big deal for us. But I know, Martin, one of the things we talked about, at least in direct messages, is you you felt better watching Hunter Jack Madden these last two games compared to the Sac State games, didn't you? Uh, maybe a little bit. It it seemed like it just seemed a little more settled and not as rattled, if that makes sense. Not as like it's your first two Division One games. Granted, they're Sacramento State, but it seemed a little more. A little calmer, if that a little, yeah, calmer. Yeah, I, I think Hunter Jack Madden, and this is a look. This is a thing we're just going to have to get used to with this team, and we've honestly had to tell ourselves this for three years because the roster turnover we've had since uh, the 2017-2018. That was the Vic Sanders BJ Blake team. Since the year after that, so from 2018-2019 on. We've kind of had the same discussion every year of, hey, we have a bunch of new guys. We have to see how they do. We got a bunch of new guys. We have to see how they adjust. Well, hey, we're here again. Uh, Hunter Jack Madden, he, he's our backup point guard right now, and he did look a lot more comfortable uh, running the offense. He was a lot more aggressive on the offensive end against Washington State and against Cal State Bayfield than either of the Sacramento State games. Now we'll get to shoot percentages later because that's still there's still room for improvement there. Uh, but – Another another positive, real, and one of the last couple we got is Gabe Quinette from Mo- Moscow High School. Is we saw him look like a pretty solid shooter at times last year, and right now he's hitting forty six point seven percent from three. Uh, when he gets to catch and shoot, he uh, look he gets to be a weapon as a catch and shoot player. That's something that you know if we're Again, we probably have to contextualize this discussion a little bit because this team right now they just don't look good. So when we talk about positives, we're we're probably looking at hey, is there anything that's going to help us pull off a few wins this year, or are there any pieces that look like if they stay with the program for a couple of years, they could be part of teams that are better than this team? And Gabe Quinnett hitting from deep like that is certainly that that's absolutely something that you know if you if he's on a different roster, he's just a catch and shoot guy that is a pretty big deal for us uh, but but we transition out martin to really the bigger takeaways uh, any other positive things you think i'm missing or you want to spend time on 
No, DI guy, this I won't say might be kind of a question, but do you think that the WSU game was kind of maybe more of a maybe this team actually might be competitive, or do you think that was maybe like a one game wonder? Kind of being the same old Idaho we know and love. So honestly, it, it was a matchup thing. We it doesn't matter if we talk about this in basketball or football, get every sport matchups absolutely matter and washing we'll, we'll get to the we're going to get to this bigger takeaway in a second but idaho is not a great scoring team washington state's not a very good scoring team i said last week if we we're going to be competitive we need the game to be right around 60 well it was what 58 61 yeah which if we we're going to be competitive just based off what we've seen offensively it's got to be lower scoring right now so keeping wsu to 61 is what part of what let that game be feasible for us. Honestly, were it not for that 18-0 run, WSU went on late in the second half, and we still came back. You know, we we had the ball with a chance to tie it at the end of the game. Now, weirdly, or maybe not weirdly, we went for a two with like four pins left and missed it instead of going for a three to tie it. But we still had the ball down three against Washington State. You can tie a game down three. So, man, I... I guess what I'm going to say to your to answer that Martin is mm-hmm. I think it was more of a matchup thing. You know, Washington State has three wins against Big Sky teams now. They beat they beat Eastern Washington when Eastern only played six guys by three. They beat us by three, and they beat Portland State by four. All all of those games were home games for WSU. I think what that tells you is if WSU's in the Big Sky, they're probably not winning the league, but they're you know they'd be a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. So. Honestly, the, the, it, to me, it was a matchup. It, it was WSU is a team that can't exploit our weaknesses to the extent that, let's say, like Cal Bakersfield, where Cal Bakersfield, can they're, they're pretty athletic and they can score pretty well and they pressure the ball uh, on defense uh, in a way that we don't have the ball handling to handle. That's, to me, what explains the biggest difference between those two games. Mm-hmm. But now that we've, we've spent a little bit of time going over, you know, the – the promising aspects. I mean, truly what we're at the point we're at right now is we have to hope that there's two, two guys that I'm keying on that we haven't seen play yet. Uh, Kendall McHugh transfer from, he's a sophomore transfer from college of Southern Idaho and AJ Youngman. He's a transfer shooting guard as well. We have to hope those two guys are just two of our better guys. And that the fact that those two aren't playing means other people have to assume different roles that they won't otherwise. Cause really the biggest problem I see in this team, Martin is, and th- this might, it's going to sound weird for a second. So I, I will make sure to contextualize this for you guys, but I know it doesn't really have a single problem. It has a lot of interrelated problems, but to me, the biggest problem we're looking at is we have a ton of guys who are having to play up. And when I say play up, Martin, what I mean is, they're guys who are having to take on a role that they're not exactly suited for. And this has been a theme for us in talking about this team, that we have some great complementary pieces, but we don't have those, you know, if, if star is too dramatic a word, we, we don't have those all-league candidates yet that those pieces can complement. And what happens when you're in a situation like that is either you need a ton of guys, and when I say ton, I mean four or five, who can average low-end double figures to make up for not having, you know, that's that Vic Sanders kind of player, that BJ Blake kind of player. Or if you don't have that, which we don't right now, 
every single player has to take on a role about a step beyond what they're suited for. And a great example of that is Gabe Quinette. Positive already said he's hitting 46.7% on threes. When he shoots threes, for the most part, it's a catch-and-shoot situation. He's not doing it off the dribble. His feet are already set. He just gets to catch and go up. Martin, I want to play a game. We've played this or lower, you know, mm-hmm. buy or sell. Gabe Quinnette, 46.7%. That's a really high percentage. Like, that's higher yeah. than Vic Sanders shot. So, like, objectively, that's just a great – That's a that means he's, hit, he's a good shooter. Is he shooting – now on two pointers mm-hmm. in your question for you, is he shooting above or below 40%? I mean, if you're shooting 46.7 on threes, you would think it's probably, you said 40%, right? Correct. I'd say yeah, on twos. Yeah. On twos. Yeah. I'd say higher just because of like, if he's shooting that on threes, it's got probably got to be a lot higher on twos. That reminds me, I failed to introduce producer Jerry. He's with us too. So if you're watching it, you see you see graphics, you see headlines, anything like that. That's all producer Jerry from Great Falls, Montana. But to answer that question, see, th- this is why I brought it up about people playing a role they're not quite ready for. Gabe Quinette is not shooting close to 40% on twos. He is shooting 30.8% on two-point shots. Wow, that that's that's surprising. And look, when he, his misses are also pretty bad. And when I say that, when he shoots threes and misses the threes on catch and shoots, like they're they're close. When he's shooting twos, like the misses are atrocious. And the reason why is Gabe Quinnett is really he should be a catch and shoot player. He's not a strong ball handler. He's a great catch and shoot uh, three point shooter. But when he's shooting his twos, they're almost universally off the dribble. They're almost universally when he's trying to create shots. And when he does that, you see his accuracy just torpedoes. And that's a, this is what I mean when I say a guy taking on a role he's not quite suited for. Gabe Quinnette should be playing that Chad Sherwood role from the 2017-2018 team where, yeah, there's a leading scorer who creates shots for, for Gabe Quinnette or he shoots catch and shoot out of you know, having – we post up and a kick out from the post gets him an mm-hmm. open three. That's the kind of player he should be right now. The issue we have is we don't have other shot creators, so Gabe Quinnette is having to try to create shots that he is just not able to create. We've also talked about it with Scott Blakeney. Scott Blakeney is a fantastic finisher around the rim. He's a great opportunistic scorer, but we've tried to use him in our first few games as a go-to scorer, and he look, the jury's in. He's going to score around 10 points a game. That's a solid contribution, but early on we were trying to treat him as though he was something more than that, and that's just not where he's at. We really we could go down the line. Damon Thacker starting at point guard. He clearly is not. If you look at the point guards we've played against, he just isn't comfortable enough as a lead ball handler to be a point guard. The, the issue there is lack of ball handling, which you can see in our turnover margin right now, which is second worst in the Big Sky at negative three point three point five three point seven five per game. So again, the there isn't a single issue. With, with Idaho that we can fix because I'm going to circle back that uh, to that Washington state game where the good news, the reason we were able to do okay is we kept the score low, but, and a team that needs to keep the score low, Martin, you'd probably think that should be a defensive oriented team, right? Mm-hmm. I want to give you, you some numbers to give you the context of what, of how good that defense has to be in 
2018, in 2019, 2020, the top, the best big scoring, big sky scoring defenses, meaning the teams that gave up the fewest amount of points were Sacramento State at 59.7 points per game and Northern Colorado at 62.7 points per game. You go the year, the year before that, the best scoring defense was Montana at 68.5 points per game and Sacramento State at 69.5 points per game. The way Sac State last year was able to have that sub sub 60 uh, points allowed is they played a super slow style, but they also had a post a score in the post that they used their go-to guy. But, you know, we just gave you the best defenses in the big sky in the last couple of years. They're giving up a re- over st- 62 points a game or like, or, or the year before, you know, it was 68 and 69 Right now, we're averaging 59 points per game while allowing 71.8 points per game. So honestly, our defense isn't surrendering a, a preposterous amount of points per game. If you compare it to 2018-19, that'd be towards the top in the league. Just 59 points a game, we'd have to be just an we'd have to be an elite defensive team and all that. Our team's shooting 41.7% from three. We're not missing shots. Well, I mean, we are missing shots, but we're not missing things like threes. We're, we're actually hitting a pretty high percentage. It's just every every fix you look at right now with this team, you know, like every single fix you look at, we just have a separate underlying issue that makes that a little bit tougher. Another thing, Martin, you know, you want to be a slow it down team. That means you have to rebound. Well, we're getting out rebounded by 10, 10.25 rebounds per game. It's really hard to slow the other team down when you're not rebounding and you're not limiting them to just one shot. Uh, you know, if you could also say, Hey, maybe the team needs to speed it up, but we don't have the ball handlers to speed it up. So, so really it's these overlapping issues, but to me, the biggest thing down the line, every guy right now is having to take on a role about a step above what they would have been on, let's say, our 2017-2018 team with Vic Sanders and B.J. Blake. I mean, even DeAndre Robinson, he's doing great right now, averaging 11.5 points per game. I mean, if that's your, that's our leading score at 11.5, um, and he's not that great at creating off off the dribble. He's a very good catch and shoot player, but again, those catch and shoot guys do need someone to help create shots, and we just, we just don't have that right now, Martin. I mean, unless. And, you know, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think, that, like, is that a little bit too dramatic and co- coming for me that these overlapping things right now we're just translating into it's not a great team? No, I think you're just you're just telling it like it is. You're being honest with everybody. Being honest with everybody, I think. Uh, yeah. So I guess you know we try not to live forever in the you know, discussing the, the problems. It's just, I mean, this is where we're at this men's team. This is three years. It's wild to think in 2017, 2018, that team was picked to win the big sky. And we quote unquote disappointed at finishing third. It's we're, we've just been, it's the year three of kind of the same thing. And Oh man, what I'm going to say is we're going to shift to a, a different segment. So we, we don't talk ourselves into a depression this is average Jerry basketball questions in honor of producer Jerry. And the, these questions, it's really just put a button on basketball. Should Idaho fans be optimistic after this week? What do you think, Martin? I think, yes. I think WSU showed that like they can, if they can hold people, like you said, like the 60 points, 60 high fifties points, they can win. But if they can't, Yes, I think they should be optimistic against 
the bad teams, but I don't know outside of that. What do you think, Brian? Oh, man, I the thing to be optimistic about is I really think you have to just accept this team's not going to be very good and look at what are the pieces who could contribute on a solid team next year, a couple of years from now. DeAndre Robinson, God, I hope we get a go-to score to put around him in the next year because he's a very solid piece. Scott Blakeney, he's been here for four years. The thing to, to be optimistic about is he's, he, he was here for one of the good years. He stuck through it with all, he stuck through all the bad years as well. That means that's, you know, hey, that's a committed vandal. You know, so there, there's a couple, there's minor things to be optimistic about, but really the Cal State game where we shot, 50, I think we shot 56% from three and lost by 10. And seriously, if we shoot average from three that game, we lose by 20. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a ton to be optimistic about. Another average Jerry question, will we pr- surpass last year's four conference wins? Martin, well, what do you say? Are we going to beat four wins in conference? No, I think I think they might get four at best. I, I think the thing we have to be happy about is that NAU and Idaho State are both dumpster fires. Uh, NAU just got killed by Colorado State, including uh, NAU surrendered a 31-2 run in the second half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we haven't done that yet, so we can at least pat ourselves on the back there. Idaho State, I watched – you know, I've seen a little bit of Idaho State when they've played D1 teams. Their offense is absolutely atrocious. So we those we those if we're going to pick up four wins, we have to beat those teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, I mean, we've are, we're already done with Sac State. We might be able to sneak up on a couple teams. But at this point, other than NAU and Idaho State, the, the, victory, the moral victory for us is being competitive. And uh, to close it out, another a- average Jerry basketball question just to get average fans clear. Um, you know, ex- there were some basics with the team. Brian, what's my, what is my optimal lineup for our Vandals? Man, one, we, again, we just have to hope Kendall McHugh and AJ Youngman are two of our best players and we haven't seen them play. So if those two guys are two of our best players, then we need to pencil in one of our problems is we've just had two starters we haven't seen play yet. Other than that, DeAndre Robinson has to start. Scott Blakeney has to start. And I think we're getting to the point where we need to decide, should we go big? and presume that it's more important for us to improve that defensive rebounding percent, that defensive rebounding margin margin of negative 10, 10 to quarter rebounds a game. If we can cut that down to four, that's actually pretty dramatic and that'll give us points on its own. So really since Deandre Robinson can shoot, if we can, if we have Deandre Robinson fingers crossed on AJ Youngman or Gabe Quinnett, I guess as a, as our shooting guard. And then, Kendall McHugh can, is a sufficient point guard, then I'd say go big. Scott Blakeney and Tanner Christensen or Scott Blakeney and Jack Wilson. Because uh, this, this team's just not going to outscore teams, but we've got uh, – we have to improve defensive, uh, defensive output some. And on that note, before we, we jump to Martin, listeners know we're back into weekly or almost weekly episodes on Tubbs the Club. And with our favorite season, football season, just a couple months away, if you like what we're doing, consider giving Tubbs of the Club a rating on iTunes or Spotify, share our posts on social media, or if you can, consider chipping in to helping us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at Tubbs at the Club by signing up at patreon.com backslash Tubbs of the Club. We have a good thing going that's only going to get better as our football season looks to take another step. 
Our men's basketball team somehow turns it around. And our women's team, aside from this week, really just keeps on keeping on. And listener support helps us cover operating costs while Chris, Martin, Alex, and I do our best to give you the Vandal coverage you need. Sign up to our Patreon or make a one-time gift at paypal.me backslash tubs the club. Thank you to tub card member Dallas Hammer, Matthew Janicek, tub token member Nick Stutzman, premium drink token members Nick Weber, Dave Ellison, Taylor Cash, and our newest reference last week, but he's our newest, Darren Kozak. With that, Martin, talk me off the ledge. Mm-hmm. Talk Team. Well, it wasn't it wasn't a good week for Vandal women's basketball. After starting out a great two and zero against, albeit Sac State, it, they kind of came back down to they came back down to earth against Texas, losing forty eight seventy three. They're losing to number twenty three Texas. Got to give them the respect there. Twenty forty eight seventy three. Beyonce led Idaho with thirteen points, eleven rebounds. Sydney Sydney Gandy went. Uh, Went three for five from three. And the more sad result, losing to Washington State, 55-74. Sydney Gandy scored 16. Beyonce had nearly a double-double, 15 and nine, and nine rebounds. Honestly, it wasn't – we wish that – honestly, I kind of wish the score for Texas was better, but it just they, – they're, they're a top 25 women's basketball team, and – Big Sky teams just don't beat them, beat teams like that, because there's there's unless things are just going perfect. And moving on to the game, I was more excited to see Washington State. It was truly, truly a game of two halves. It they started out strong with they started out strong. Sorry, they started out strong, but they started started off slow. Still only scoring nine, both scoring only nine points. Things started to pick up in the second quarter, going on a 9-0 run to bring going going ahead to 21-14, and then things kind of I wouldn't say go, and then things wouldn't kind of say go off the rails, but things kind of the tide turned, and with Nat with a and with Natalie Clinker going out of the game with an injury, and things start slow slowly turn to towards Idaho, but it goes turn towards WSU, but they keep they they keep the lead and. Keep the lead at half. And then second half was just, I wouldn't say the worst half of basketball I've seen from them, but it was not it was not pretty at all. Idaho started out with a – make sure I'm reading this right. They outscored us 32-14 in the third, and they just got hot. Idaho – WSU made their shots, and Idaho didn't. It's as simple as that, and that's how the game kind of played itself out in the second half. We got out-rebounded by – WSC out-rebounded us by 13, and we got outscored in the paint by 30. It just – it wasn't pretty at all. And then the only, thing, the only kind of surprising thing for me was we didn't see Gabby Harrington play. I don't know if that's a COVID issue or if it was just an injury issue, but that was the only kind of surprise not player to me from that game. Yeah, the, the takeaway for me from both these games truly doesn't worry me. Like when we were talking about the men's team, the listeners will understand I'm just not high on them. This These two games didn't really change my opinion of the women's team. Oh, yeah. We talked last week about the strength of the women's team. While they have capable shooters, what really is going to win them games is dribble penetration 
and you know being able to run teams out in transition. Mm-hmm. Against Sac State, just a reference point, our first game against Sac State, we had 56 points in the paint. I believe the WSU game is going to be the template that Big Sky teams are going to attempt to use against our women's team, where instead of the 56 points in the paint that we had against Sac State, we we had 18. And teams are going to try to limit our penetration. I, also, if we're losing the rebounding battle, like we talked mm-hmm. about, then transitions a little bit harder and teams are going to try to, they're going to try to kill penetration for us and say, Idaho beat us from the three. There'll be some big sky teams that are not going to be able to stop our penetration the way power five schools can yep, tech, oh, yeah. university of Texas. That's why I, truly I'm not, I don't care about us losing at yeah. Texas. I wish it was closer, but they're a top 25 team. They should have better athletes than a big sky team. Yeah. Washington State, we you know, we certainly had an ability to win that game, really the third quarter. We shot 30%. Yeah. WSU shoots 62%. Uh, but the the thing I'm going to point to, we're, we were also three, three of 16 from behind the three in the second half. That's WSU cutting off a ton of our – that that's a, that's WSU cutting off our penetration, cutting off our transition, mm-hmm. making us win from outside. And this team, though it has capable shooters – um, I wouldn't yet say we have elite shooters uh, on this team. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't so say as they cut. I, I wouldn't. I don't want to go as to say they cut us off. I think maybe things would have been maybe a little different or maybe closer if if we didn't get if say I, I'm not trying to say pin things on Natalie Natty's injury or anything like that. But I'm just trying to say like if I'm one thing I'd like to say is maybe it would things have been. I think things would have been a lot more closer with Natty in the game and Natty not injured and playing because things like they just looked like a different team with her not being there in kind of in that inside presence for us. Oh yeah, absolutely. That matters. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, seriously, just look at the box scores at this point. Um, Teams like Idaho state, like NAU are going to try to limit our transition they're going to try to limit ability to get open shots through penetration, uh, both inside the key as in points in the paint and all from open kickouts. And really, I don't think a ton of big sky teams even have the athletes to, to ultimately do that. We've seen that from the last few years. Uh, power five teams are diff- just different. They're a different monster. And, you know, it's kind of hard to trend to compare, let's say men versus WSU and women versus WSU because women's women the Washington State women's program is just stronger than the Washington State men's program. Similar to how the Idaho women's program is stronger than the Idaho women's program. But uh, do you so Martin? Honestly, I, I mean, I already said I'm not. I'm really not that concerned about this for our women's yeah. team. Should I? Would you, uh, I wouldn't say concern. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. Even taking like just if this team if this team with the players they have available right now keep going forward, I still think they're going to be able to compete for a Big Sky title. They've shown they could do that before in stretches, and I think if you're going to have a coach that can fix that fix the issues or the coach that that can fix the issues, it's it's John Newley, Krista Stanford, Drew Muscatel, and the other ones escaping Jordan Kelly. There, I think this coaching staff is going to be able to fix it and get them ready for big sky teams. That's why coach Newley plays these tough. The other thing is coach Newley also does try to play like really tough out of conference schedules. There's nothing 
to be afraid of right now. And that's not so different from University of Montana on the men's side, where it's pretty typical for University of Montana on the men's side to come into conference season with a losing out of conference record and then to do absolutely fine in conference. That's honestly what I think our women's our women's season is going to look like. And listeners may have noticed I chose to not spend a ton of time previewing our men's final out of conference game at University of Utah on December 8th. Because again, it, it's a Pac-12 school. Uh, University of Utah's men's team should be better than WC. It should be the, should be the best team we've played. Um, I'm just going to hope there's some po- there's some positives we can take from that game, and then we can roll into conference play December 31st against one of the other dumpster fires, NAU, and get some momentum for our team. But our women, Martin, have a couple more mm-hmm. out of conference games, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forget who it is. Yeah, they have a couple more. Out of conference games against a fun one. I've always enjoyed to watch them play against Seattle U and University of Arizona. Hopefully, a revenge game for them after the WNIT loss last year and a half ago. Now, two years ago. Well, now University of Arizona. That's another ranked game. Mm-hmm. So that's a real tough schedule. But and it's also pretty short notice. We just added that yeah. game against Arizona well, it was a couple of days ago. Yeah, like the thirteenth or fourteenth. Yeah, so that's new. Uh, Seattle U, I think, is more the game that I've got my eye on right oh, now. Yeah. That's uh, December 21st, Monday. And also for our women, when they when they kick off Big Sky play, they're at Northern Arizona, which Northern Arizona is predicted to be a top four team in the Big Sky. Oh, yeah. So, again, this is just the inverse of the men's. Yeah. And they also beat us last year, too, but it's going to be – it'll be a close – it'll be a close – another close games like the other ones have been in the past for them. Yeah, the, the last thing – before we get to your average Jerry questions mm-hmm. are I really, it's not that Gina Markson is having yeah. a poor start or anything. It's that I don't think she's quite hit her stride yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually she was fine against Sac State, uh, but she yeah. had two Texas and WSU. You, you call it sub for based off her standards. We call it subpar shooting. Yeah. Um, she also didn't get the assist, but also when you're missing shots, it's hard to, it's hard to pick up assists. Mm-hmm. Gina Markson's really the person I'm going to have my eye on against mm-hmm. Seattle U. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, gosh. For I think for me, it might be – gosh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Last year. Sorry, I should have had this last year's schedule so I can look at this. Uh, go. I think for me, it's going to be if – it's, if I'm thinking it, if I got this right – I think another one could be Beyond Speed. She had a double du- double double last the last game. I think she's another one to look out for against Seattle U. Okay. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, those are two, yeah, the two top, like, the obvious two. Sorry, yeah, the obvious two. And also, hey, Gabby Harrington missed some time, and that's a mm-hmm. that's a starter who we didn't have for those games, particularly against another- WSU. That that mm-hmm. truly could be the difference uh, yeah. if if you subtract that awful third quarter. That that's yeah. a game, and obviously, yeah, it's it's very easy to say, yeah, if you subtract and we didn't play well, we we played fine, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. sure, that is a little bit odd, but truly for the women, they were they were competitive every mm-hmm. single quarter except that one where again the shooting percentage was just thirty percent, sixty percent. That's your game, but yeah. Martin, I have a couple average Jerry questions for producer yes. Jerry, our average fan, uh, make sure he feels clear mm-hmm. on our women's team. So understanding that there is 
more talent accumulation at the top of the women's game than the men's, yeah. meaning that like University of UConn women are miles ahead. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Come whereas on. in the, you know, for men, like Gonzaga is number one now, but Gonzaga worked their way into being a power program mm-hmm. because the talent gap between a strong mid-major team and a mid-level power five team in men's is essentially non-existent. But yeah. understanding there's talent, there's more talent accumulation at the top of the women's game right now than the men's. How mm-hmm. big of a gap would you say there is between Idaho, a top big sky team, and someone like Texas, nationally ranked in the Big 12, or let's say Arizona, nationally ranked yeah. out of Pac-12? Uh, how, do you, how would you like me to measure this? Just by like stats or size or – Just explain, explain in your mind like the talent gap between a mm-hmm. – Top Big Sky team and mm-hmm. a, a nationally ranked Power Five yeah. team like Texas. There, it's it's big. It's like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There is a a huge gap between. It's like like for some. It's like kind of playing. Trying to think of how I can word this in a way that might make sense to some. It's like if like a major league baseball team played like a a double A or triple A team. It's yeah, your double A team might have quality quality talent there, but they're just not as developed. They don't have maybe better equipment. They don't have maybe the better coaching staff compared to say a major league team that's going to have the best of everything, the best the best money can buy. Or for soccer fans, like between like a Premier League team and a League Two team. Yeah, what I'd say is, and I'm actually going to circle back to what I talked about with teams trying to cut off penetration. Mm-hmm. Power Five teams are going to have the ability to, and yes, Jerry had no idea there's a huge gap. So that's what we're here for, Jerry. So yeah, just keep asking the questions, man. But. You know, some of the big sky teams, again, like this is not a secret. If we if we can watch the, the women's teams and we can and watch our men's games, but we're talking women right now. If you can watch these teams, you can identify stuff like we have, which is our women are solid shooters, but they're mm-hmm. they're not elite. You know, this isn't like a team with Michaela Friends, Taylor Pierce, mm-hmm. where they're gonna just shoot, they're gonna kill teams from three, and there's essentially not much teams can do about it. Mm-hmm. Our calling card is at, is athleticism, dribble penetration. Well, you, you play a team like Texas. They're going to have the athletes to make that to limit that penetration, which then it just means we're all all of our shots are going to be more difficult against a team like Texas than against the Big Sky teams. Whereas like the Big Sky teams, they can scheme that way. That doesn't mean they have the players to execute it anyway. So yeah, to me, I'd say the the yeah the gap is absolutely meaningful, and I view it more as like the raw athleticism uh, yeah. between the two players. And yes, like the training equipment, all that stuff matters, mm-hmm. but. You know, once you get on the floor, it's just five on five. Yeah. And if you can look, if you can keep the other the other player in front of you, you, you can keep from getting by you, you pretty much make sure they have tougher shots. Uh, mm-hmm. what, you know, we, we can talk about schematics, all that basketball. You get out, you get down to it. Really, it's did you make your shots? Did you miss your shots? Did you get good shots? Did you get bad shots? And yeah. our five teams, they're just going to make, they're going to make big sky teams have to make tough shots to win. Mm-hmm. And Martin, Another average Jerry question. Mm-hmm. Since we're talking about this, we not neither of us are clearly upset about losing the Power Five teams. Mm-hmm. 
should we have an expectation that Vandal Hoops should win some of these games? I mean, considering that our our women's team is, you know, the most successful program at the university in the past decade. Yeah. Should like is there a problem with us that we're saying, look, I mean, look, they're power five teams. What are you what are you expecting right now? I think yes. I think you should maybe have an expectation to maybe beat. Maybe not like for going. I wouldn't say yeah. I would say yes. Maybe have an expect expectation to beat a WSU type of team. Maybe every once in a while, if you know your team, if yeah, actually, you should have expect to beat like a team like a WSU. Maybe every once in a while. Texas, you should hope for a good game. Maybe see some good things out of the game, but it, you wouldn't. Actually, you shouldn't expect Idaho to beat a Texas every at all. I would. Sounded bad, but I wouldn't even as sunshine, sunshine and rainbows as I am. I wouldn't expect us to beat a Texas type team. The way I'd answer that expectation thing is if so, Idaho has been one. We've steadily stayed atop the Big Sky, mm-hmm. and before we left, top the WAC. We've made NCAA tournament berths out of both conferences. We don't yet have a first round win. Now that's partially because we get like 16 seeds and we already yeah. talked about the talent gap where it's look in the history of NCAA tournament. We have like one, I'm talking men's and women's. We have like one 16 seed being a one seed. So, and when I, when I talk about expectations, I think we, what we need to enunciate is do we expect this team can win in the NCAA tournament? And if we think they can win the NCAA tournament, they don't have to beat Texas, but they've got to pick up some out-of-conference wins to have a shot at a 14 seed or a 13-12 seed. Mm-hmm. So Texas, again, I don't care. that we. I, I absolutely you, – you, there's nothing you can do to make me care that yeah. we lost to University of Texas. Look at Unless them. we're shooting like 100% everything's just perfect for Idaho. Look at the budget between Texas yeah. Athletics Look at and, and University of Idaho. Texas has its own damn cable channel. I don't yeah. care that we lost <laughs> Texas. But – if we're going to be competitive in the NC2As, we have to get better seeds in 16. We have to eventually beat teams like WSU. Mm-hmm. So as far as expectations, I'm going to say at this point, I still think this team is going to be favored to finish towards the top of the big sky. We're undefeated in big sky play. Yeah. But I think at this point, there's no reason to expect a tournament berth is going to equate to a tournament win. Mm-hmm. It's time for us to close the bar. I know, man. These basketball episodes, we try to keep them tight for you guys. Football, we'll go do our Grizz Fan nine-hour podcast impression. But basketball is trying to keep them nice and tight, so it's time to close the bar. Martin, before I ask you what you have going on in your life, I just Mm -hmm. have to say, we Tubbs of the Club, we just finished maybe the biggest event. Not maybe the biggest event in Tubbs of the Club history. It is the biggest. Yeah, the biggest event. And I was waiting for you to throw another Chuck Staben joke in. But Scott Green, <laughs> look, we, we did the interview. And the Scott Green interview is going to air as a holiday special. It's going to premiere live on YouTube December 23rd at 6 p.m. Pacific right here on our YouTube channel. Think of it as a, as a Christmas gift from Tubbs of the Club to our loyal listeners. The big, the big interview that, that you guys wanted was see Scott Green. Look, everyone still wants Terry Golick, but we took a step above ter- Terry Golick. We got C. Scott Green on there. This is absolutely must-see. If you can't watch it live, it's obviously must-download. Mm-hmm. 
But that's that's the big thing we have going at Tubbs the Club. But even before then, Martin. What? Even before December 23rd, we've got a big event too. Mm-hmm. That's not one you spend a lot of time on. Yeah. National Signing Day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. National Signing Day is, starts tomorrow, November, December 16th, and goes through December December 18th. So hopefully we should have some fresh new, new Vandal football coverage to talk about as well coming up soon. Absolutely. And we still – look, the, the Scott Green episode, that's going to be a standalone thing for us. Our next Vandal, Vandal Hoops episode is going to air – Two, is going to come Tuesday, December 22nd. So honestly, man, Tubbs of the Club is giving you guys a ton of Christmas presents. So yeah, we're going to pat ourselves on the back. Thank ourselves. Thank you guys, of course. It's all for listeners. But Martin, for us to close it down, what's, what do you got going on in your life other than National Signing Day tomorrow? Uh, than December I've got a whole lot right now. I've got, again, I'm just, like I said, another episode. I'm living in Moscow. It's cold. It's wet. It's snowing slushy and i'm just living it up in moscow right now you're saying, you, you're saying it's thematically aligned with the basketball we saw yeah okay yeah we, we we can say that also we didn't go to boise state junior college so our listeners know what thematically aligned means what i have going on in my life man honestly getting into big sky getting into big sky basketball you know we still there's a second week of conference season that's opening pretty quick. Idaho's not, not in that second week. It's, it's kind of actually like the first we've really only four teams opened up big sky play the week we did. So the other teams are going to be opening up this weekend. I'm going to see a little bit of that. Uh, other than that, man, I am staring at my computer waiting for December 23rd to come around so mm-hmm. I can catch that interview. That's what I got going on, man. So honestly, I think it's time to do it. We are going to pit, we are going to thank you guys for downloading, and it's time for the, for the best band, band all the land, all the land to play us out. Sound of Idaho. Go, Go Vandals! Vandals.